May we have your attention, please? One of the clues is in our name, the Rail Safety and Standards Board. Safety is such an integral part of our railway that many take it for granted. The Carmont landslip was the first incident in which a passenger on board a train has lost their life since the Grey Rig derailment over 15 years ago. Unfortunately, we can't say the same for those who actually work on the railway. In the last 20 years and more since Clapham and Labrook Grove train crashes, our safety record has been greatly improved, to the point where further improvements are going to be more difficult to achieve. Many of those potential improvements are going to be achieved through collaborative efforts, a point made clear in the industry's strategy document leading health and safety on Britain's railway. There are numerous people across our railway who have the word safety in their job title, but we can't leave it just to them to implement and embed the policies and practices that are needed to create the continual improvement that we need to achieve. That's going to mean that everybody needs to take some responsibility for helping that to happen. And that's going to need a change in the culture of organisations. A new way of looking at safety as everybody's responsibility. Now, change is a difficult thing to embed and it relies on good leadership. So today I'm talking to Ellie Burrows, Chair of the System Safety Leadership Group, about the role of leadership in that culture change. Welcome, Ellie, to the RSSB podcast. As a first-time participant, could I ask you to introduce yourself and tell us how you came to your current position in the railway? Hi, so I'm Ellie Burrows. My day job is as the route director in Network Rail for the Anglia route. And as you say, I'm also chair of the System Safety Risk Group, which I've done now for about seven months. I have worked across the industry over the last 22 years, working for starting at rail, in rail inquiries and doing a number of operational and commercial roles, working both within network rail and within train operators. Thank you very much. I'm not sure if this is going to be a long or a short answer, Ellie, but could you tell us what does safety culture mean to you? That's one of those things that could be either long and short in terms of the answer. So safety culture to me is making sure that it's inevitable that everybody gets home safe every every day and that everybody really cares about that within an organisation and does the things that need to be true to make that happen. I personally don't believe that there's a difference between safety culture and the culture of an organisation and try and not differentiate between the two because fundamentally a organisation has to be focused, has to have clear priorities. Those have to be embedded throughout the organisation and everybody has to be focused on achieving those priorities for a culture to be really embedded. And safety has to be at the heart of that and the priority within a railway culture full stop. That may also include other priorities within the organisation. So it may be a customer focus culture as well. It may also be a performance-based culture, but safety should be the priority and should be the core of any culture within an organisation. From my perspective, a culture consists of shared beliefs, attitudes and practices that exist within that organisation and how they all come together to influence the behaviour of the organisation and the individuals that work within it to achieve those goals. Thank you very much, Ali. While there will already be a strong emphasis on safety in all rail organisations, implementing a safety culture is going to involve some level of culture change. What do you see as your role in leading and supporting that change as chair of the System Safety Risk Group? 
As chair of SSRG, I have a real opportunity to highlight the tools and capability available across the industry to anybody who's looking to develop their safety culture and make sure that they've got everything that is available to them. So there are tools such as RM3 available and great training available within the industry for those that want to be using RM3 to progress their safety culture. There are numerous experts and studies available that can help organisations understand how to progress various different elements of that safety culture, right down to how to implement fair culture and training to support organisations doing that. As SSRG and with the chairs of the SSRG subgroups, we've got the capability to really raise awareness of each of those elements, to highlight where there's good practice and support the industry along that road to improving culture across the entire industry. Thank you very much, Ellie. Following on from that, what do you see as the essential tasks for other leaders across the industry? Leaders of our industry have a real responsibility to drive this change, to make sure that we are continually improving in this area and to recognise where cultures are good and where culture is needed improving as well. I think as leaders, we need to be really visible in our visions of what a good safety culture looks like, that we need to really lead by example and set those standards of what should be happening, put our money where our mouth is to some extent, although there actually doesn't need to be a huge cost associated with this. But we need to really demonstrate in our behaviours and the actions that we take and our organisations take that safety is at the core of what we do and that we will support honesty and transparency in our environments where people can flag concerns and be open around the risks because that's how we make sure that things are getting better and changing. So I think there is a real task for leaders to drive the change, to be the change, and to make sure that that's possible within their organisations as well. Thanks, Yoli. That's the tasks you've mentioned, and you've also talked about leading by example. So what traits or characteristics do you feel that leaders need to display when implementing and embedding a culture change such as this? So I spoke a bit there around the need for leaders to be visible within their organisations to walk the walk and to talk the talk but also for them to be transparent in what they're doing and setting the vision I think there are other things that leaders need to do as well so they need to make sure that they are really relentless within their organizations on the need to improve in challenging and openly challenging where they see these things not happening and setting clear measures both leading and lagging to understand whether they are delivering their benefits with regards to the safety culture change that we've spoken about I think it's really important that leaders question and listen very much within their organisations to really understand what's working or what isn't. RM3 is a great tool for understanding where you are on your culture maturity as an organisation and that helps to lay out how you can improve against that. And that absolutely will help an organisation, but all leaders within organisations really need to be listening and testing that constantly to make sure that they really are at the point that they think they are and understanding any sub-elements that aren't achieving kind of the level of maturity growth that we've talked about there. As well as setting the vision as safety leaders and as organisations, we really need to energise our teams around it to make sure that they really understand this is the core of what we're doing and it's the heart of our organisational strategies or our visions, etc., but also empower teams to achieve what they need to. Key to any culture that is really safe is the ability for the whole organisation to be open and to transparently identify risks honestly 
And fair culture is a really key part of that. And I see a key part of safety leadership in leading that change, building trust within an organisation so that individuals feel that they can flag risk, that they can be open around those risks and that we can really see those precursors and where things aren't working well. Thank you, Alec. You've mentioned fair culture several times there. RSSB has a training course led by some of our human factors specialists on developing a fair culture within organisations, but successful culture change is at least a medium-term project within any organisation. It has to be embedded, not just implemented, to become the new normal. So how important is it to have human factors specialists or similarly experienced roles within an organisation to ensure success? So I think it is really important for organisations to have a good understanding of what fair culture really is, of why people behave the way that they do, and how we can avoid some of those traps that can exist within organisations to make sure that we enable the best performance and the best safety performance that we can from individuals working within our organisations. So I think a real positive for an organisation is to have human factors specialists or roles of that kind within their organisation to support from that perspective. Not every organisation will be able to afford to have specialists from that perspective. So there's an opportunity to work with organisations that do, to have input from that or to take advantage of some of the great training courses that are available across the industry and within RSSB to support developing the fair culture within those organisations. I think that is really a really key part of an organisation's development, as I say, and building a good culture full stop, not just a safe culture, but a strong culture of teamwork and supporting each other really needs that trust that comes from having a fair culture and that honesty that falls behind it. Ellie, can I stop you there for a moment? Could you expand on how you think fair culture actually works? Thank you. I think fair culture is very much around a level of trust in an organisation, that the organisation will do the right thing. And that right thing would be if somebody has been open around what's happened. It also means that employees are confident that an organisation will do the right thing if a malicious act has taken place as well. I think there's a bit of a misconception around fair culture within the industry in places that actually if somebody undertakes a malicious act, and those are very few and far between, I absolutely agree, but that fair culture would prevent action being taken in those scenarios. And that absolutely isn't the case and shouldn't be the case because for all parties to trust that the process is working, colleagues will need to know that if somebody next to them is doing something for the wrong reasons, that action will be taken. They also need to know that if somebody is doing things for the right reasons or, or because they are untrained or unable to do something, that they will be treat, treated fairly in that process. So I think we need to dispel some myths as an industry around that and make sure that we are applying the process correctly. And I think the RSSB training training creates a real opportunity for organisations to look at what they're doing and whether they are applying that process properly. Ellie, thank you very much for putting that so eloquently. And finally, on the assumption, and you have suggested that a just and fair culture is essential to support safety culture, what do you see as the essential actions, policies and processes that demonstrate that it exists and is practised? So I see this as a real partnership within an organisation between the employers and the managers within that organisation, TUs where applicable, so trade unions, health and safety works where applicable, 
to make sure that the organisation understands that it exists and that it's being applied. I talked a lot around trust there. So trust isn't one overnight necessarily, but it's very important an organisation builds trust and transparency around how the process will work, where it will be applied and how it will be applied. And that noting the confidentiality of individual cases, obviously, that there are forums to make sure that that process is being applied consistently. I think it is really key that that process and the outcomes of that process are tested to make sure that they are equal and fair across an organisation as well, and that there aren't different ways of approaching different outcomes by application of the process, and that everybody receives good training to understand how to apply the process. So if an organisation is builds on the trust, is very transparent and open around how they're applying the policies that they've developed and the processes that they've developed, and that they really demonstrate that that's being applied fairly across the organisation and that a good representative of people are able to sense check that, then I think that can really build the trust and it becomes self-perpetuating on that basis. Ellie, thank you very much for talking us through the leadership challenges in implementing and embedding a safety culture. As you said, training is important. RSSB has some training, as do many other good organisations across the industry. I hope this has been a useful and interesting talk for people out there who are looking at how to implement that just and fair culture. Thank you all for listening. Until the next time, stay safe and stay well. (laughs) 